Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Rancho Cordova Sports Podcast. We're broadcasting from the newly renovated California Capitol Film Office here at the old Mills Winery building on Horn Road. That's near Bradshaw and Folsom Boulevard near Rancho Cordova. Today's guest is Cordova High School's new head football coach. He comes to us by way of El Camino High School, where he has coached the last several years and led the Eagles to the 2021 playoffs. In fact, he's no stranger to competing against Cordova as his Eagles traded a win and a loss during his years at El Camino. Appointed head coach at Cordova earlier this year, he's hit the ground running, and I can say that because this guy was a tough get for the show. What with the preparation for the upcoming season and all, uh, he's ready to go. His name is John Patrick Dolliver, but he goes by JP, born in Tarzana, California, and raised in Moorpark where he played high school football back in the mid-1990s, went to Sierra College, and later graduated real close from UC Davis. He spent the better part of his adult life coaching, and we'll get into all of that in a bit more. But Coach Dollar, welcome to today's show. Thank you very much for having me. I am excited to be here. Absolutely. You know, it's been a little more than three or four months now since you got the gig. What's your experience been like so far? You know, I think the the one resounding thing that I've seen so far is that um, I've just I've gotten so much support. There's a lot of excitement in the community. There's a lot of will, uh, a want of uh, Cordova uh, football to do well. Um, but uh, I just I think that's the one thing that's kind of stuck out is all the support that's been thrown my my way. You know, oftentimes, as we talked about before, presentation is 90% of it. I got to tell you, folks, when I first laid eyes on Coach Oliver, he looks the part. Looks like a football coach, brought in a ball, brought in a hat. Looks like you came, just came in off the field, and so uh, you're ready to go. So uh, my first question is, how's the transition to a new job and a new city been on your family? Uh, they had to get used to me not wearing a lot of green. I think that was the biggest thing. <laughs> my kids, uh, my kids, uh, you know, it took a little bit of a, a getting used to wearing, uh, you know, big red. Um, so, because I, I, I'm just a big believer in, you know, branding um, when you're out in the community talking about uh, where you work. You know, I think the one great thing about being a football coach is um, it's your job, but it's also, you know, your hobby too, right? It's what I love to do. I love to be around kids. Um, I love to, to coach. Um, it's always bittersweet when the season's over because you can take a breath for a little bit, but then, you know, you're right back at it. But it kind of really makes you who you are. Um, and um, coaches who have been doing it for a long time will tell you the same thing. Um, and if they get away from it, um, there's always that itch to get back into it, you know. Um, you know, from – Coach Doherty up in Folsom, he'll tell you the same thing to a Max Miller. Uh, I think the last last time I, I talked to Max, he was uh, that was one of the things he talked about is he misses just being a coach. You know, being you know not necessarily just the X's and O's, but just being a, a, a coach and walking out in the community and seeing kids that he you know he might have coached back in the day or people that recognized him. Uh, kind of you kind of take that personality on. So um, that's one of the things that. I really enjoy, um, but I am a big believer in branding, um, you know, because people see that and they'll, they'll you know, strikes up a conversation. Next thing you know, you might get someone who wants to help the program in some way. I've I've met coaches that way, right? That, that I've ended up working with. So um, just and then you know, you feel like you're part of the community too. 
I know you had mentioned you're making the transition to wearing different colors for several years. You wore the, the green and white of El Camino High School. You're very active in the community. I know that you also went to Max's football uh, camps as well. Uh, you were well known there. Uh, tell us about your family. Uh, I know that your dad had passed away a number of years ago and your mom lives pretty close. Yeah, so my sister uh, lives with her um, three daughters up in Lincoln with her husband, Chris. And then, uh, yeah, my mom's uh, very close. She lives close right around the corner and sees my two girls, Penelope and Abigail, uh, often. Uh, so I have a, a Penelope's 10 years old. Abigail's eight years old. She just turned eight uh, on the 5th. And um, they're both active in sports. Um, my wife keeps them busy. Uh, but they, um, they've made a lot of little friends that way through sports. And um, I've seen their confidence obviously go up a lot by, by playing sports together. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of that was driven by my dad. You mentioned him. Um, you know, a lot of the things that I, um, I use for my program and also the way I raise my kids is the, the messages that he uh, presented to me as I was growing up. You know, and I, you know, he passed away when I was only 30. But I tell a lot of kids out there that I was lucky to have him for those, you know, those 30 years, because a lot of kids don't have that, you know, and I think that's a, a thing that us as coaches, we try to, um, uh, we try to provide for, for kids that don't have that. We try to provide that spot. Nothing's going to replace a, you know, having a dad at home, but if you could be a stakeholder that tries to do your part and, um, can help children, uh, through coaching or teaching or mentorship, uh, it, it's huge for kids. Um, so I was, I was very blessed to, to be able to have a dad that, uh, provided me the things that I have now, because I'm able to transfer a lot of that into my football program and how we, um, go about, um, our philosophy, you know, in football, it's very, it comes very second, you know, second nature to me. So. You speak very highly of your dad, and they certainly are important, as are moms. Uh, how big of an impact did he have when you were growing up as a kid? Well, he ended up starting, him and my, you, you speak of my mom, because she and my father started up um, our youth football team in Moorpark, California, and that was in 92. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And so they had, they had been part of, um, um, if, if you know Southern California well, they, there was a Valley League and that we had to go to Simi Valley to play in the Valley League. So Moorpark didn't really have its own, you know, feeder program at the time. And um, and so they wanted to change that. So not only did they uh, have a brand new football team that was in Moorpark, but they also started what was called the PYFL with a, a couple other groups that were in the uh, kind of coastal Ventura County area. And they all kind of formed a, um, a league together. Um, and it was a league that was, you know, competition was still obviously part of the game, but it was a, about developing kids um, and making sure, you know, kind of like they had a par, making sure every kid played and every kid was developed because Moore Park at the time was a pretty small, um, pretty small town. It's quite the different now. But um, and so we just needed something that where kids were learning how to play prior to going to the high school. And so um, the AD at the time and football coach at the time was super supportive with that as well. And so uh, it, uh, it, it just it spiked. So by the time I was going to high school, uh, we were starting to hit the playoffs. And a couple of years after I graduated, they won CIF at one point. Uh, and then Moore Park started just kind of growing in general. So I think at, at, at this point, there's two different feeder programs in that town now. 
That's great. So mm-hmm. you were there when the uh, to build the program from the ground up. Uh, you, you, yeah. you and your wife. I mean, you guys got involved and really saw the community grow and establish a program that's been top shelf ever since. It's 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 been it was really really fun for me. Um, you know, I was a, a quarterback in high school, but I wasn't very tall, and I wasn't. I I knew the writing on the wall. I, I might be able to play a little bit after high school, which I did at Sierra. But I knew that coaching was going to be something that, if I wanted to stick with football, um, that was going to be the where it was going to go. And so, uh, I you know, interesting enough, we lost a coach uh, my freshman year at, at the junior. It was they call it like the junior twos, which is um kind of like a twelve year program, I guess you would say in football sure. now. Um, and they needed coaching, like. But they lost the whole coaching staff. So my dad, a couple buddies, we would get done with freshman football and we would roll over to the old Moore Park High at the time and we would go and we'd coach the junior twos afterwards. So that was my first, uh, you know, experience coaching. And then after that, I just continued to coach all the way through. So I I coached all the way, you know, the youth programs all the way into my um, after I graduated and I never really stopped. That is fabulous. We're co- we're talking with J.P. Dolliver, the new head coach for Cordova's Lancers. He's also the athletic director at Cordova High School, on-campus teacher, uh, teaches PE and long weight training. Boy, doesn't this sound familiar from some of the programs that we had back in the 70s and 80s. How important is it, Coach, to have an on-campus presence full-time as a head football coach? I don't think you can do it. Uh, correct the correct way without it. I think it makes it really hard unless you have somebody that has a completely free schedule. Um, but just by being around the kids and checking with them, again, I, I kind of alluded to it. It's not just about the X's and O's. It's about being a mentor to these kids, uh, checking in with them, uh, especially nowadays. Um, you know, kids still getting used to returning after the pandemic. And uh, it's just really important to be there checking in, making sure kids are where they need to be um, in, in the right mental space, um, making sure that they're eating properly, going to bed on time. Um, and I'm pretty fortunate because not only am I on campus there, uh, we have a strength and conditioning coach that was already in the district that I coached with at uh, Sac High under Coach Doherty. Um, in 2013 and 14, he was there prior. His name is Chris Thomas, and he um, he came over from Mangini Ranch, where he was a PE teacher there, uh, and just because he knew what we were going to be able to do at Cordova High, so he came over there, and he's our he's our strength and conditioning coach. So he's a full time guy on campus as well, and the nice part about it for him is he can impact that population not just only for football, uh, but for all sports. Right. Men's women's sports. Um, He's also an adaptive PE teacher as well. So uh, he can work with, um, you know, uh, special needs population. I mean, you know, he's the real deal. He's a he's a solid coach. He's a patient guy in which you need that when you have, you know, a strength and conditioning program that you're trying to establish. Um, so there's some there's some special things going on over there other than just the football in general. That's Chris. What was his last name? His name is Tom. Chris Thomas. Thomas. Yep. That is that is fabulous news. Uh, you, you're one of the younger uh, head football coaches in the history of the school. I think you're what 43, 44, right around in there. I'm, I'm hanging on to 44. I'm 45 in <laughs> on August third. So ah, well, <laughs> excellent. You, you mid 40s uh, yeah. for sure. What made this job a right fit for you, and uh, what do you bring to Cordova High School? I think the the biggest um, thing for me when I saw the school was. 
Um, the attention to detail on how they take care of the school uh, says a lot about the district, says a lot about the school, um, and it says a lot about the community that supports it. Um, you know, obviously it has uh, a lot of city funding that, that backs it, which is, um, I think, uh, it's very unique to see the, the city kind of, um, you know, circle the wagons and, and, and really protect the schools the way that they do. Um, so resources are there. Um, and then, you know, uh, Principal Hayden, I just, there's, there's just some solid pieces that um, really stuck out to me when I, um, when I uh, looked at coming over to Cordova. Um, the district, again, really supportive. Um, uh, my boss, Peter Maroon, who uh, is the, uh, the district athletic director, um, has a big uh, driving, you know, uh, want to see uh, athletics do well, not not just at Cordova, but at all the high schools. So um, it's really the resources and the, the, the support. Um, city council's very supportive of the, the school, uh, the school board, um, you know, um, it's just it's all encompassing and that's what i've that's really what drove me to cordova and i think the reason why i think i'm a great fit is because um when you're looking from the outside in you just see like you see the potential that that school has you know after being at several different schools and in different school districts right so i think i've been at one two three different school districts now i'm at my fourth um, so I've seen different organizations and it's just such a special place. So I just knew it was a, you know, a good move for me. It was a tough move for me though. I, I really, I, I, I loved El Camino. I still do. Um, but you know, there, and there's never a good time to move on. Right. I think if you've done a, a, a good job somewhere and you've built relationships with the kids, the parents, the teachers, the admin, there's never an easy time to leave. There's never, there's never that one class of kids that it's, it's easy to leave from. Right. Um, because they all, they're all important. So when I had to make that move, it wasn't any easier than it would have been the year before. Um, I would say that I was very fortunate that San Juan, um, let me, you know, they, they let me uh, leave at the time that they did because it made it a lot harder on them too. They had to find a teacher mid-year, um, but they understood that I think it was better for the kids in general. Harder on the adults, but easier on the kids, meaning that they could go ahead and find a coach and have a, a true spring football as well and develop those relationships with that coach um, so that they didn't get any – they weren't a step behind going into their season. And um, so I really, really do appreciate the fact that San Juan and El Camino allowed that to happen. Um, Brian Welsh, who was one of my coaches last year, ended up taking over the program. Very capable young guy. He's a uh, um, He moved here from the East Coast. He's a wrestling coach over there. So they're really, really lucky to have him uh, take over over there. So it, I think it was just a win-win. You know, you mentioned resources in Rancho Cordova. In fact, the first time I laid eyes on you was at a city council meeting back in early May on a project I was working on. We went, uh, my buddy and I, uh, do documentary films and we right. had a proposal. And we saw you testify. Uh, I believe you were seeking funding for the weight room. Correct. If I'm not mistaken. Did Correct. you get the funding? We did. Excellent. You got yeah. the you got the kids working in there already. Well, so the the it's 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 quite the process because um, sure. And, and, and again, Chris was a really big um, part of making that happen. That wouldn't have happened unless you know Coach Tomez had put that together um, because it was a big ask, but it was also one that. Um, it's going to pay off for the future. It wasn't just a patchwork type of thing. It's it's one that um, when they get that thing put in, it's going to be top of the line. I bet you it's going to be 
top weight room in the in there. Of course, I'm biased a little bit, but uh, you know, no, it's, it's gonna... I, I think I think it might be. In fact, uh, when I when I saw you uh, present that night, your presentation was so effective. I thought this is a guy I want to talk to. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I had a couple of things. In fact, we had a Hall of Fame meeting that same night. We were kind of tag teaming back and forth between rooms, and I wasn't able to catch up with you. But it was a big ask. They ended up funding you. The Rancho Cordova Community Enhancement Fund is really, you talk about unique resource. That is one of them. Rancho Cordova was the only city that I know of that was able to pass that half-cent sales tax when their budget was in the black. Usually cities do that when they're in the red, when they're really needy. But in this case, they laid out a plan. They actually got community support by having community town halls all over Rancho Cordova on what to do with that money. So every dollar is spent wisely. And of course, uh, I was happy to hear when when your weight room uh, was, uh, was funded. So that is great. Your, how has your coaching background shaped you into into the coach that you are today. I know that you also was an assistant quarterbacks coach at UC Davis. You learned under some tremendous coaches there. Yeah, that was um, one of those experiences where you just, uh, you know, you had guys like Mike Morosky and Bob Biggs and Kevin Daft, you know, in a room arguing concepts and you know, it was it was quite the uh, experience where you realized what you don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, you just sit in those rooms, um, and on the defensive side, you know they had, you know, the, the equal amount of coaches that were, uh, you know, uh, big names. So it was, it was, uh, you know, it was quite the quite the experience. Um, I think on that in that group they had about six quarterbacks. Um, Ryan Flanagan was one of them. He's Flanagan was there. He was yeah. a starting quarterback who was a Rio star. Um, yep. This is after like JT and those guys had left, but Tim Plow was. Um, a quarterback on that. Um, he he was a freshman, and Tim is now the um, offensive coordinator at Boise. So you know it's it's just it, it was just a plethora of, of guys that that knew what they were doing. Being around a guy like Daft too was pretty neat because uh, he's a kind of a, a, a soft spoken guy, um, but you know he had obviously a lot of success and. He always, I remember him telling me he was, you know, a couple snaps away from playing in a Super Bowl because he was the third string on, uh, on that. Uh, I think he was playing for the Titans at the time. Right. Yeah. Right. But he probably got a ring. Oh, uh, well, I guess, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. You know? he, he, uh, it, and then he had, he played um, a little bit in, you know, the arena. And then I think he played in Europe as well, but now he's the um, offensive coordinator for Dartmouth too. So yeah, there's good just for, there's good just, for him. Yeah, quite a bit of talent on that in that staff. We're talking with J.P. Dolliver, Cordova High School's new head football coach. And coach, uh, Cordova's football program has a well chronicled history that I'm sure that you know about. It's faced many challenges in the recent years. What are two things that you plan to do differently? I think. Um, I think it's important to drive home to the kids that while we respect and honor the history that Cordova had in the past, it's important to, to, to drive towards a new, their own history, right? It's about the 2023 season going forward. What are we going to do differently? What do you, what statements are you going to make? Right? Because even though, you know, 
you have the history's past, you know, the, the you know, storied past. The 70s were different than the 80s, different coaches, different players, and the same thing with the 90s. And so if you talk to I was I was talking to a coach yesterday, uh, Mike Brandon, who was a uh, you know, a big time player there as oh, well, yeah. right? But he was able to make his own name, right? Just as guys like Arnold Laws had before and the guys in the eighties, and just as those coaches had. So I think it's important for these kids to understand that this is their team now. Use the you know all, all the benefits and all the the support you have, but make your own history with it. And I think those are the things that we really need to focus on. Um, the other thing too is focus on the process, not the not necessarily where the results are going to be. Like let's focus on that process of getting there. Um, you know, making sure kids are taking care of business in the classroom, in the community. Um, what kind what, what what kind of perception do you have when you're on the football field? Not just the wins and losses, but how do you how do you handle all of that? Um, th- those are the things that I think are, are really speak to somebody's character. If we have kids that um, are men of character, uh, I think that we'll be okay. The wins and losses will come, but that's what we need to focus on. You seem to place a lot <clears throat> of emphasis on character building, not just on the football field, but in the community as well. I would imagine that's probably something that happened at El Camino. Uh, it's it's a relatively tight-knit community. In Rancho Cordova, we're our own city. Uh, we're still looked upon, uh, you know, you have the city schools, and then you have Cordova High over here. We're in a different league as, as, as we are now. So looking at it from that standpoint, producing a well-rounded athlete is probably one of your top priorities, is it not? Uh, you you have to it has to be the focus um if our 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 whole job as coaches should be to develop the character of young people that that should be what it is first and and you have to develop the the whole athlete all the way around where we make sure that these kids understand the importance of the, getting a good education because we've seen what happens to kids if they don't um and and, I, and I, we know what happens if a kid doesn't finish high school in a lot of situations, you know, um, and I've seen it. From, I've seen it from Sac High um, to El Camino uh, over to Cordova. You see what happens when kids don't finish school and where, where where it leads them, and they don't have those opportunities. Our job is to provide them with an opportunity um, to graduate and to hit whatever workforce they do, or go into whatever career they do, or college afterwards, and make sure that they hit that running hard. And making sure they're prepared in football and sports in general is a really, really good uh, platform for that to be built on. Um, those, um, whatever philosophy you have, but as long as you have a philosophy, a kid can really, really use that for their future, and really use that to like to develop into the the young person that they need to be. Um, I think if you take sports away from those things, I think it, it, it puts a lot of pressure on a kid later on in life. They don't have the tools that they necessarily need. Well, I know sports is very active here in Rancho Cordova. Uh, in fact, our yeah. uh, current uh, city councilman, former mayor David Sander, that's yep. one of his credos. Yep. Uh, every kid gets a chance to play, yep. no matter how big, small, what have you, uh, you will get that chance. And that hasn't always been the case. Uh, through the years. Can you, uh, I know it's kind of early, all right, you probably have an idea who's on the team, but any specifics on what you plan to do offensively and the types of schemes 
offensively that fans are going to see this fall? So we'll run a, a spread offense. Uh, we'll run. We'll be fast. We'll be um, we'll be exciting. I think that's a big thing okay. for us. Um, we um, I, I think we want to move as fast as we can, be as efficient as we can. Um, you know, I know our, our numbers right now. Um, that we're not deep, so our kids will be going both ways for a lot of the a lot of the kids. Um, but that's okay. And they're the kids that have been coming out already are aware of that. Um, but I think it's important for the kids to to um to know that we have an exciting um offense and that we can go out and score. Um and, and use use our talent to our advantage, right? So I think that's why the spread offense that we will use is very similar to what a lot of they do they do up at, at Folsom that's based off of that offense. Um, obviously, Paul's been doing it for a long time, and, you know, it's pretty high octane up there. So, sure. you know, but I think the kids are excited about it right now. Um, and so Coach John Luotz, my offensive coordinator, he's um, – uh, he's excited about you know bringing what you know bringing this to the to the kids as well. So there's an ex- there's definitely an excitement on the offensive side. Um, defensive wise, we, we bring Merv Brookins, who's my D uh, D coordinator, and uh, he was uh, most recently the head football coach at Galt High School last year. Um, he's had storied pass as well, played college. He played a little bit of pro, and then he also. Um, was uh, at Grant High School back in the day, so um, extremely competitive, capable guy. They run like a th- we run a three five, so it's going to be uh, we'll be able to move around and be fast. Um, you know, blitz a lot of guys, put a lot of pressure on on the other team's uh, offense. Well, it um, sounds like if you're going to run a spread offense and if you're running a three five defense, you've got some speedsters on that. Team. We do, we do. We uh, got some guys that can move around. So um, any names you can uh, drop just now, or do you want to keep that? Uh, well, I think there's a couple guys that um, that are really going to uh, stand out that have um, put a lot of time in um, to the program. Our Jaden Rice is one of our captains. We're going to ask a lot out of him this year. He's going to move. We'll move him around. We'll be able to put him at quarterback. He's a um, he's a high IQ kid. Um, just really gets it right away. Uh, Michael Brown's another one who's a returner for us. So those are the kind of guys, the, the two that stick out that are going to be seniors. Um, kind of bittersweet because you you want to see if you can have those guys a couple more years just because they've they've bought into the program already they bought into the weight room and in the classroom they understand what's important they're good kids on campus um so it's it'll be sad to see those guys go um but we have some some guys that are coming up as well that i think are going to make uh make some noise so i'm I'm excited about the group of guys that we're working with Uh, i know we'll get some more kids that are going to come out on the 24th here next week and that that want to be part of what these guys are doing. I was gonna, that was going to be my next question: is uh, how do you plan to build your roster? I mean, obviously we've had some lean numbers in in recent years, but it sounds like uh, that may be on the upswing. Yeah, you and I talked about it before the show that you know the the number of athletes in general um, at Cordova are, are down. I think that will change because I saw something. I saw the similar. Um, those similar numbers at even at El Camino. Um, I think that as we start to, you know, get past all the pandemic stuff, I think kids are going to come out for for other sports in general, and that's going to um, increase numbers uh, on the football field. Um, you know, success always helps too, right? Success sure. always helps. <clears throat> um, but I would say that there's an excitement at the junior level that's really, really. Um, 
that, that's starting to take off. I've, you know, Mike Huckleberry runs the, the junior Lancer program. He's ran it for the past year and a half. And I tell you what, I don't think I've been more, um, you know, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Impressed by a, a you know, a, a youth program that what I've seen him do in the, the months that I've been here so far, he's just, he's very, um, thorough, um, you know, they're constantly trying to, to do new things, be innovative. Um, you know, he's a he's a tech guy, too. So he uses all of the social media website development to kind of really grow his um, his programs. And that's that's only going to be- benefit, you know, Lancer football later on. Um, if we can get those kids to not only play in the junior junior level, but now they're playing for for me in high school. Um, so he's been a huge asset for that, and he's always willing to to help the the, the high school program in any way. So we're really lucky to have him uh, and the and the junior lancers. That is fabulous, and that does uh, have a good correlation back to a throwback in in the '70s era. We had the Cordova Jets, which was uh, essentially a pop Warner program that all the all the top kids ended up honing their skills as nine, ten, eleven, twelve year old kids. And, you know, I talked before the show about the Cordova Villa neighborhood that produced just so many stars. A lot of those kids, Mark Young, who's going to be an inductee in our Hall of Fame this year, his brother Reggie played. All these kids played for the Cordova Jets. You've got a a program with Mr. Huckleberry with the Junior Lancers that almost sounds like a carbon copy. And that is going to be something to see when you take these kids at such a young age. I know a lot of the game has changed, Coach. Uh, Back when I was a sports writer, we had uh, two-a-days. They started in August. I don't know if that's the case this year. Tell me how that has changed. Uh, You know, there's a lot. There's a lot there for that one. Um, You know, I think that, especially in a community like Cordova or El Camino or even like a sack high that we were at, that I was at before, you have to take a lot of factors in uh, to consideration. One being, do you have the parental support to get kids here? You know, I mean, we had three days when I was playing football, but much like Cordova, I was right around the corner from my high school, right? So I could be there, you know, at seven or whatever they had us out there in the morning, you know, <laughs> until almost seven o'clock at night, you know, three a days. I mean, a lot of that was too much, you know, in a way, you know, in a way. Um, so just being mindful of when kids can get, you know, get there, um, making sure that you temper expectations, being, um, efficient with the time that you have with the kids too, uh, is important. Plus we start school so much sooner nowadays where, you know, when, when we were kids, a lot of times it was Labor Day and that was like when the first day of school was the next day. Right. You day know? after Labor Day is when the start of, and we might start football practice the week before or two weeks before. Right. So yeah. some of those things um, consider, you know, you know, and the past couple of years, heat's been an issue too, right? I mean, heat's an issue. So being really efficient with the time, I can't, I can't have a necessarily a five o'clock in the morning practice because sometimes we have kids that come from all over Rancho that are taking the bus line and it's just not practical. It puts a lot of pressure on a family. So um, I think that we, what I've kind of looked at is being really efficient at the time, holding kids to that, that's that, you know, being accountable to being there for that time. I'm not going to take a ton of your time, but when we're here, we are working your on time. You're not five minutes late. You're not right here at two thirty. Like you're you're ready to go in that weight room on a platform, 
at 2.30 and then I'll get you out at 6 because I do want you to go home and I want you to have dinner with the family and go to bed on time and kind of get ready for school because it's going to be right around the corner. Um, so I, I think that's kind of the way we've 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 approached it the past several years, not just here at Cordova, but when I was at El Camino because they're very similar uh, demographics as far as get kids to, you know, getting the kids to, to school and, and having those expectations where they're not um, – overinflated, I guess you will. Um, and, you know, I think that once we get into the school year, um, we can kind of continue that process of just putting kids on a schedule. One of the things that we've implemented um, is making sure we lift all year long. So building into that practice time, making sure we're lifting weights and, and just focusing on um, kind of protecting yourself all year long as well. Um, I think... When I was a kid, I, I, you know, obviously the concussion thing wasn't brought up quite as much, too. Right. right? So um, one of the things we focus on early during the, the um, early parts of the summer practice is tackling correctly and making sure that we're what, what we use. We call a hawk tackle, which is a rugby style tackle. So I actually brought in a coach when I was at El Camino um, that would just teach rugby style tackling without pads on. We would literally take the pads off and tackle the very beginning of summer. But then also I brought him just to come in during Wednesdays and we just, we just tackle pads are off and you can't lead with your head. You can't put your head into the, the tackle. You have to tackle uh, with your shoulder and, and, and practice the, the fundamentals that we find are uh, going to protect the kid long-term. Do you find it's easier to teach tackling techniques that way, as opposed to say full pads, uh, you know, full equipment or, you know, what are the differences there? Yeah. Yes and no. It, it, it depends. It, a lot of times we try to transfer the stuff that they're learning in the weight room to the functional training we do in the weight room to how we tackle on the football field as well. So if a kid has been doing their due diligence in the weight room, we've been, we've been active all, all spring, uh, I think it comes second nature when they start to learn how to replace hips and, and, and bring a guy down um, and do it correctly. Uh, if they haven't, you know, <laughs> if, they, if they've been on their devices and not been in the weight room, it's a little bit more foreign to them. But um, and that's something that was different than, you know, when you and I were kids, because we ran around and did stuff. We didn't have that. We didn't have this, no, you know, no and cell phones. And and so you I could, don't I don't suppose cell phones are allowed at practice. No. And they're not allowed in the weight room, obviously. Um, oh, you, know, you know, excellent. Yeah. And that's something I learned from Doherty up at uh, Folsom, because. You know, if you're you're you're, you're, you're doing a snatch, a lot of the things that we do are based off of what Paul does, um, what he's done, you know, since he was at Sakai to Whitney to Folsom. Now he, he you know, they have a, a very very good barbell club all year long. I don't know if you know that, but they, um, uh, when he's not in football mode, he's in power or um, Olympic lifting mode, and so I learned a lot from him when my time at at, at sack high but we um we implemented all of those things at el camino and then also um at, at cordova but it's you know it's all about the olympic lifts it's all about functional training and making sure the kids are protected and going into the season well we've talked about your offense uh, you're going to run a three five defense you can leave that totally up to uh coach brooke as your defensive coordinator yeah I, um, i'm i'm you know, if it, as long as we have a what what I my philosophy is always if if you have a game plan and you can give me a you know a, this is what we're going to implement this week this is the game plan that we have for the kids 
this is how we're going to, you know, Monday's going to look, Tuesday's going to look, Wednesday. Then I, I, I want to give him that autonomy. Um, I'm a big believer in that. Um, Merv's um, more than capable of being able to do that. Um, like I said, he was a head coach himself, so he's balanced multiple things other than just the defense. So um, I'm pretty fortunate to have a guy like that. Um, and he's also, if there's something that I need more of, then, and he's, he's very willing to do that as well. Well, he also comes from a storied football program himself, Galt yeah. High School. Yeah. Uh, Irv Hatson Bueller, big big name back yeah. in the back in the day too, as well. You're inheriting a program, coach, and in some ways rebuilding it at the same time. Uh, I know you may not be able to get into specifics, but what message do you have for your new players, the ones just coming in, not necessarily the veterans? Um. Just trust the process and enjoy the experience. Um, I, I think too often we, we it's about always about the results and not about the process. And um, just step back and, and enjoy the process of it. You get four years and that's it. You know, you get four years. And, and I try to tell kids all the time that um, to look at your seniors, right? So I mentioned Jaden and I mentioned Mike Brown. You know, before they know it, they're, they're going to be those sophomores and juniors. They're going to be those seniors, and your football experience will be limited. How much you play after high school is really unknown, you know, um, unless you you know you're going to play in four years or, or uh, at a four-year school, um, which is not guaranteed, and it's really hard to do. Um, you know, you might only have those four years in high school to play, and that's fine. But enjoy it. Um, so I think that's the I want kids to get. The, as much out of that as possible because you don't know when it's going to end you never do it could be an injury away sure <laughs> or it could be a you know, knock on wood a pandemic i mean uh right i mean there's kids that didn't you know they thought their senior year was going to look a whole lot different uh, and we were fortunate at el camino to have that spring season when fall didn't have us you know that right in 2020 when there was no fall season so uh, we were fortunate enough to at least have that spring. Some teams didn't play at all. Some teams maybe got one game. Uh, I know Kasumnas Oaks uh, had got three. Right. Uh, and that was, they were very fortunate. Right. Uh, it, it, the pandemic, of course, was kind of a, a pock mark on everybody's program. Fortunately, it, it, right. it, it, it's over. It, keeping, keeping players committed to the program with so many interests and so many distractions today, how do you handle that as a coach? You got to limit them. <laughs> you got to limit them, I think, and, and then trying to put things in perspective for kids, too. Um, we have a lot of uh, conversations with our kids just about life in general. It's, it's important, not, not about football necessarily, just about uh, really enjoying the, the time and, and slowing things down. Um, it, it, you know, I, I, it, it, we're just every, everything so... Um, Everything has to be at your fingertips now, and everything, the results need to be uh, so immediate, uh, good or bad, for kids nowadays. Um, and we try to just kind of put that in perspective, right? Like, there's like, there's no waiting for anything. There's no longing for things anymore, right? And we try to talk to kids about those those things, right? Whether it's talking to a friend, um, you know, texting, uh, you know, putting the phone down for a second, right? Enjoying each other in the weight room, not, not, not being on your device a hundred percent of the time. It's, it's, it, I, I do think that it's a, a negative for kids. 
Uh, I think it takes away from their high school experience, not just sports, but their high school experience. Well, it's time that they can't get back when you're doing this instead of, you know, maybe in, enjoying what's in front of you. Right. I know some may deem that a little old school, but when you've been around 50 or 60 years, well, that kind of comes into play. Go, so, go, to a, go to a high school and walk around campus like on a spring day, right? And you'll see people's head down. You'll see kids sitting next to each other at lunch on their phones, not talking. They'll just heads are down and they're not saying anything to each other. You know, I, I joke with them. I said, like, you guys would make the worst, like, remake of, like, The Breakfast Club. Because <laughs> there's, like, no conversation. They're just, it would just be like a silent movie. But they'd be right next to each other texting. Probably themselves. each other. Right. You know, and, and whether it be on social media and, you know, and I think obviously we talked about when distance learning kind of enhanced some of this stuff. So really combating that, I think, is an important thing for teachers and mentors and coaches to do. Try to combat that stuff. There's no reason. It's, there's nothing wrong with telling the kid to put their device away and not having it out. Right. I, I just dropped my, my oldest daughter off at her summer camp and she's going to be gone for a week, which it's kind of, it's, it's uh -oh. yeah, you know, <laughs> buckle um, up, dad. But that's the first thing they said to the, the older, the older kids that were going to the camp is like, you're not bringing your devices, turn them off. And because it's about meeting new people and having new experience and maybe you're a little homesick, but you'll get through it, you know, and, and, you know, I think that those are really, really important skills to have for kids. So I, I don't think that's a, a bad thing. If I could, you know, if there's a way I could have it shut off during the time that they're in, at school, I think it would be for the better. You know, and of course, parents would say, well, how do I get a hold of my kid? And I'm like, I don't know. How do I get a hold of my eight-year-old? I have to call the office, you know. Um, but I do think that it would be a good idea if we had less of that in school. It just doesn't, you know. The benefits don't seem like they uh, outweigh the, the negatives. Sure. And after high school, there'll be time to text and take selfies all uh, Plenty as, of time. <laughs> uh, as, as much as they want. We're talking to J.P. Dolliver, of course, the new head football coach at Cordova High School. Uh, looking at, uh, at your players, we kind of talked about this. You do envision a lot of them going both ways. Uh, you probably have, what, 30, 35 kids on the team? Yeah. Uh, or thereabouts. It, yeah, and a lot of it's going to depend, too, on, you know, grades and our standards that we're, we'll have because I mentioned before, um, it's not just about what kind of athlete you are. It's going to be what kind of person you are um, in the community. This is a very, uh, you know, as big as Rancho is, it's, it's still a very tight-knit community. And I think their standards for uh, that high school uh, haven't dropped and they want to see the school do well. They want to see the kids perform well and play well, but they want to see the kids win and lose okay as well, right? I think that's really, really important for us. And that's why I keep going back to that character um, piece because it's so important for me to make sure that we, we're not focused just on the temporary or the immediate winning. It's got to be something that lasts for the long, long haul. It's got to be something we're trying to build. I just think that it's really, really important. If I'm, if I'm going to come in here and and do this, I want to do it right. I want to do it for a long time. I don't want it to be a short-lived thing. I want it to be something that's it's 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 long-lasting. And that's the experience piece that I'm, I speak of when that we're trying to give the kids a great high school experience. Um, but that comes with doing all those little things right. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's the I, I kind of keep going back to that character piece. 
Well, it's a, it's a good uh, a good place to go. And for families listening to this, especially young kids looking at football, Cordova High School has so many amenities, much more than when I went there, uh, when they had really good athletic teams, not just football, but we didn't have the facilities that you do now. We're talking a, a, a good weight room that's coming down the pike, a field that's immaculate, first yep. class. We didn't have lights. Uh, our teams played on Saturday afternoons, and that field between – between the 40-yard lines was like a dust bowl. And so it. you look at this, you look at the amenities, and when Cordova High School first opened, it looked like a huge college campus. Well, I've seen drone shots of it now. It's been refurbished. It looks fabulous. So if any parents are considering a program, especially one not just education but athletics, this is one to look at. You mentioned your family and the support that you're getting from your wife, your kids, uh, your mentors. That all factors into the character building of you, uh, 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 Coach. And frankly, I find this conversation refreshing. Uh, I'm glad that you're here. What is uh, maybe one thing that you're looking forward to when the season starts? Opening day is always special. What do you what, what do we see a, a month from now when you guys open the season? You know, I I am um, I'm excited to see probably like our first home game where uh, people come out and they want they, they you know they're in the stands and they want to come out and see what we have to offer, um, the excitement, um, the expectations that they have. I, I want to see that. That's what I would like to see. I'd like to see. Uh, the band out there and, and um, you know, the junior Lancers in the stands. Um, that's another thing I'd like to do is really in- incorporate uh, some of the other programs that are on campus and then also the junior Lancers. Um, obviously, you know, we have a terrific band. Um, and I'd love to see – I'm looking forward to seeing all of those things, right? The, we just uh, we just got a giant blow-up Lancer as well. So seeing the kids run through that tunnel after all the hard work they put in in the weight room and, you know, by then a couple, you know, three weeks of hard, you know, football in the, in the sun, and then they finally get to, you know, come out, you know, their their uniforms and, and, and really enjoy that, that, that first game against Rio Linda. That's going to be – that's what I'm really looking forward to. Is it against Real Linda? Now, uh, Max Preps may have had it wrong. Uh, they have August 18th, Friday night, uh, against Fairfield. Uh, you're at Fairfield. Correct. And then your home opener, right, Real Linda on yeah. Friday night. Yeah, September so we have 1st. two away first, right? And then we'll, um, and then there is a scrimmage game that we'll have uh, on the 11th before that. So we'll have a, a scrimmage game at home. That's against El Camino. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, old home week. The, yes. All the ghosts will come and, and <laughs> visit you <laughs> yeah there's a couple of those guys that i'm not looking forward to seeing with the football but uh we'll uh, we're gonna that's all right just stack the defense and run, right. them, run, run them <laughs> run them down you you hit on something relative to community support on that opening night cordova high school has a huge alumni program of which i'm a member we have several facebook pages uh, the, the lady who runs it, she, in fact, she's a Hall of Famer herself. Her name is Terry Barons. She administrator. She's the administrator of it. More than fifteen thousand people are on those Facebook pages. Wow! And for homecoming, you're going to pack that place. In fact, last year we had an unusual set of events. We had eight different reunions going on homecoming wow. weekend. So, I mean, the class of 67 was there all the way through the 70s, 80s, 90s. So you're going to see a huge crowd on your homecoming 
game as well, which is going to fire everybody up. That's good. So the entire community comes out, but not just for homecoming, but for Friday nights as well. Uh, so when you talk about the enthusiasm of an opening night, uh, you're going to hopefully see that throughout the entire season as well. I think things like that, you, you mentioned, you know, getting those younger kids bought in to the traditions at Cordova, them seeing that excitement, there's nothing that replaces that. That's, you know, having kids um, <clears throat> come out and experience that. And then when the stands start to get more full and then more full, and then all of a sudden, I, yeah, I want to be part of, I want to be part of that. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to that piece. Um, I think that's, um, it's something that's just special. And you have certain schools um, but I don't think that there's other than maybe, you know, Grant High School in the area that's held that kind of excitement for so long. When you people see, you know, like my shirt or whatever, they like, oh, I went to Cordova, you know, and they just they want to talk about it, you know, and it's because of those experiences. Right. It's ex those experiences they had in the 70s and the 80s. People want, you know, people want to come out and talk about those things. So Sure. It's a source of pride. And uh, before I forget, uh, we're, we're coming up on a hard to believe uh, about 50 minutes in our interview. we got some time left. But before I forget, I want to invite you to our Hall of Fame induction ceremony. It is Saturday night, September 9th. Uh, Cordova does not have a game that night, uh, at least according to Max Preps. So please uh, put that on your calendar. Okay. We have a, an induction of 13 athletes along with the 1984 boys basketball team. You'll see the community come together every induction ceremony is a special event it's also the hottest ticket in town yeah so keep that on All your right. and you'll get a reminder notice about it but we'd love to love to to uh, to have you out a uh, couple of questions and to, to kind of wrap up our interview uh what is your biggest pet peeve not just about coaching but maybe in life <laughs> and this is kind of a lightning round set of questions that you right. can give me a short answer in each one of them, but maybe a biggest pet peeve for coach Dolliver. The biggest pet peeve, um, is I think when I, I talked about, um, enjoying kind of the process of, you know, getting to your results, whatever that is. Right. It's, I think my biggest pet peeve is when, you know, you, you'll get not necessarily parents, but just supporters of the team not understand that part and how important um, the team building aspect of, you know, football is. That's really what football is all about, is about building a family and a team. And if if I get, you know, players or, or parents or, you know, other stakeholders that don't get that part, that's probably um, my biggest pet peeve. Okay, fair enough. Uh, here's one for you. If you could be a sports-related person for a single day beside yourself, who would that be, either uh, alive or not? Yeah, I'd probably go with Joe Montana. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, he was always my kind of uh, idol when I was a kid, and I just loved watching him play. And um, I'd love to to know some of the experience, how, what, what it was like to experience some of those things that he did, you know. Um, he's probably, you know. I was thinking about that question. I'm like, who would that be? Bill Belichick or, you know, maybe another coach. But that, that's a lot of pressure. And I even thought like Nick Saban at one point. I'm like, that's just he, – he, Saban always looks like he's uh, having a rough time, you know. Even he when he he's does. Winning, even when he's winning. So He could be up 42 <laughs> to 6, but you'd never know it. Uh, I've seen a couple <laughs> smiles on him, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> 
What is one word that others would use to describe you? I hope genuine. I hope genuine. Uh, when I speak about the character and all those things, I, I really mean it. I think that um, if we're, you know, as coaches taking time away from, you know, our own kids, because I, I have to think about that stuff too. When I coach other people's kids, I'm taking time away from my own, right? Um, but <clears throat> I think if it's a worthy cause, I think it's important. Um, and I, I think the fact that, um, I'll just say this, this is what kind of what drives me. Um, you know, I was in a different, completely different industry for, you know, um, for a lot of my, you know, my, uh, my life and to be able to get into education and coach again, um, it really put a different perspective. I'm really, really enjoying it. And I get to do something I really love to do. And I think that's really important. And um, so that's why I think being a genuine person, especially as a coach, uh, is really important. Plus, kids are smarter than you think, and they see through. Um, they they see through it if you're not a genuine person, right? And right. it's really hard to get that buy-in back in. You know, if, if that's the case. Some of your colleagues have said that uh, you live by the four C's: commitment, courage, compassion, and confidence. That's a tall order, but it looks like the, you're filling the bill. Is that something that just happened naturally, or did it uh, strengthen over the years? My dad brought it up to me when he was coaching us um, in youth football. So um, when he uh, when he coached me, I remember him. I think we were at a second half. He he brought it up, and we were getting. I think we were playing like poor Amy or something like that. We were just getting beat beat on pretty good. And my dad, I remember him saying bringing up the four C's. These are the most important things right now as you guys are going through your uh, youth football into high school is, you know, having a commitment, stick with your team, right? Having the courage to, to, to fulfill that commitment. It's really easy to commit to something. It's really hard to, to have the courage to stick with it. Being a compassionate person, you know, caring about not just your team, but the other players you're playing against. Um, <clears throat> and then also, uh, just having the uh, the confidence to, you know, know that you can do something. Folks, it is a variation of commitment to excellence, but uh, not to be too <laughs> cliche, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that uh, you will improve upon that as well. You mentioned you were in another industry besides coaching. What was that? So I was in the fitness industry um, okay. where I was a, a manager of a gym um, and uh, what you know, it just things happen. You know, I thought it was a... Um, it's going to be a really negative thing and it ended up being a positive. I ended up getting, you know, let go from a, a company and I ended up going on to uh, Sakai's campus and saying, Hey coach, you got anything for me? And, and Doherty, he, uh, he let me start coaching there. Next thing you know, I was in a teaching credential program. Sakai gave me a, a job at PS7 middle school and that was my first gig. So I worked with Paul for two years. So, uh, he's one of those guys that I'll always be, um, indebted to. He's just a, a really solid guy. He's helped a lot of us coaches. A lot of my staff is, um, from Sakai. Um, so he, you know, he, he helped a lot of us out. Uh, he's got quite his own little tree, even though he's a, he's a young guy himself. Um, but um, he gave me the opportunity after two years. I ended up, when he left to go to Whitney, um, a new school, Western Sierra, popped up. And that was my first uh, head coaching job is when I took over Western Sierra. And that was a brand new football program that net didn't, it was kind of the opposite of Cordova. It had no history. Um, you know, they, we, we played at Mahaney uh, Park out there in Roseville. Um, and, uh, but 
again, having that perspective, knowing this is kind of a second chance to do what I really love to do. Uh, just it, I've kind of taken it through all my career you know when I went to El Camino I felt the same way about it another opportunity I, I worked for uh, Randy Holcomb who was uh, um, my principal at the time and he gave me opportunity um, and then so I've just been really I've been blessed uh, and then to be able to come into Cordova and to do the same thing with having the same support even more so I think than any other community I've been in um, again I'm just blessed that is fabulous. Well, I know the community is, is very much behind you. We're glad to have you, uh, for sure. And folks, are in, mark your calendars. Our home opener is against Rio, Rio Linda, Friday night, September 1st. There'll be a scrimmage before that. Yeah, come, uh, out, the, come out and check the uh, the scrimmage against El Camino. They're, uh, they're going to play us tough, I guarantee that. Oh, of course they will. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but it should be a lot of fun. Uh, it'll be good to see those those kids. It'll be good to, you know, finally, uh, after three weeks of putting the time in um, to have these kids be able to go out there on a Friday night and actually to, to, to show out, show off what they have. Excellent. Well, Coach, do you have anything to add? Just uh, go Big Red. He's, <laughs> folks, he's already got the nomenclature down. That is fabulous. JP, you're all right. Thank you for being uh, today's guest. It. Thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate Definitely. It. Yeah. This is Mike Miranda along with uh, Coach JP Dolliver, our new head coach at Cordova High School, signing off until next time. Stay tuned. Take care now.